there, Soulmates. Want to welcome you to another edition of Foxville's Black Report. Plenty to discuss today. It is Tuesday. Uh, we're following the latest on Jamie Foxx's recovery. Lots of talk about that today. And the black bridal shop that's been engaged with more customers since their Shark Tank appearance. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelai Corte. Plus, we're keeping an eye on Florida as they pass yet another discrimination bill and why more black workers are worried about layoffs. They're the stories that impact our people. Yeah, we're going to bring you our news, our views, and our voice. So topping our news today, let's go to St. Louis. A uh, top prosecutor wants to overturn the conviction of a man who spent 33 years in prison for a murder he claims he did not commit. Witnesses who testified against him admitted they were forced to lie. St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner uh, filed a motion to set aside Christopher Dunn's first-degree murder conviction, citing, quote, clear and convincing evidence of his innocence. The state attorney general's office has yet to respond. Meanwhile, Gardner has been under fire from critics who say that uh, under her watch, too many cases have gone unpunished, victims and their families are left uninformed, and that her office is too slow to take on cases. Gardner said the attacks were politically and racially motivated. However, she did announce that she will resign next month. You know, and, and Courtney, this is rare. It's rare that a prosecutor makes it their business mm -hmm. to overturn wrongful convictions. Mm -hmm. um, she did it once and she can do it again. She succeeded in February in getting the court to set aside a conviction for a man named Lamar Johnson, who spent three decades in prison. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, I want to remind our soulmates that Gardner uh, is St. Louis's first black prosecutor, um, and she has caught all kinds of heck, mm -hmm. uh, you know, trying to do right by the community and administer justice fairly. And there are a lot of folks that suspect that part of the reason she's being pushed out is because she is uh, bringing a sense of fairness uh, to that office. You know, mm -hmm. uh, she's not just rubber stamping cases that that you know the police bring to her she mm -hmm. is uh, she and her office have been very diligent um, and very suspicious you mm -hmm. know of cases uh, that uh, don't really uh, have a case yeah she has addressed her critics by saying look she feels as though they are politically uh, motivated um, it is going to be sad to see her go someone who looks like us someone who definitely is invested in, in our voice in our interest uh, she's a Democrat. This governor who will appoint the next uh, district attorney, uh, general attorney rather, uh, is Republican. And there's a possibility that that next appointment won't look like us or, or sound like us or, or, or take on some of our grievances as uh, black folks. So it's unfortunate that she has re uh, decided to resign. But uh, hopefully that's a long shot, but maybe the governor will be fair in who, who he appoints next. But, you know, it's also another reminder of the outsized role that local prosecutors play in administering justice. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a reason why prosecutors uh, like the one down in Georgia, mm -hmm. like the prosecutor in New York, and now this prosecutor in St. Louis, there's a reason why a lot of folks on the right um, have been looking over their shoulder every step of the way um, and have been trying to scuttle what progress they're trying to make in terms of administering justice fairly to all of us. Moving along, Texas has sent more migrants to Vice President Harris's Washington residence over the weekend, shortly after the expiration of the Title 42 rule that allows swift expulsion of asylum seekers. Video footage captured migrants arriving from Del Rio, Texas, and disembarking at the Naval Observatory. Greg 
Governor Greg Abbott had previously bused over 17,000 migrants to sanctuary cities with more than 9,200 directed to Washington. This isn't the first time Abbott has sent migrants to Harris's residence, drawing criticism from Democrats and local officials. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas condemned Abbott's program as politically motivated. Mayor Eric Adams and then Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot expressed concerns about their city's ability to accommodate more migrants. This is so, it is so petty. It is so very petty. And what I'm most concerned about, it is inhumane. I mean, you, you never know the stories of these immigrants uh, as they cross on over into our country and to them, uh, to then bust them to even more uncertainty about their well-being, you know, and their fate and put them on the doorsteps of politicians is absolutely ludicrous and it's unfortunate. And it's interesting that a lot of the cities that Governor Abbott seems to be targeting are cities with black mayors. Mm -hmm. We're talking about New York, Chicago, LA, um, among others. Uh, and so there are a lot of folks that detect there is a, uh, there is an ulterior motive afoot, a political motive uh, that is afoot uh, that isn't right. And I think we forget these are people that are fleeing political persecution. Mm. They are fleeing violence in their home countries. And, you know, asylum is a human right. And so to, to make it to the United States border and to be treated like a political pawn and sometimes have your family split up between different cities, uh, it, it's wrong. Yes, we need to address some of the inequities in our immigration system. We need to update our asylum system, uh, but you know we can do so by treating people humanely, and that's something that this governor just seems hell-bent on not doing. Do, yeah, and using them as ping-pongs. It's absolutely deplorable, it really is. All right, let's move on here. The Supreme Court will review whether South Carolina's congressional districts discriminate against black voters. A lower court found intentional redraw to diminish Democratic leaning uh, back, uh, leaning uh, black voters. The decision is expected before the 2024 elections impacting control of the House. Republicans claim partisan motives, not race, guided the redistricting civil rights groups have sued, calling the adopted plan unfair to black voters. Yeah, I mean, this is this is really uh, going to be a very important case to watch mm -hmm. um, uh, because it will be taken up during the 2024 election mm -hmm. cycle. Mm -hmm. um, we know that right now the House of Representatives is closely divided. We know that uh, Republicans have a razor slim majority. Uh, and so if the courts decide that, uh, you know, this, uh, these lines were redrawn unfairly to dilute the power of black folks, uh, that could work in the favor of Democrats mm -hmm. uh, who are going to be doing everything they can to try and win back the House of Representatives. We've been talking about redistricting for a while now because, you know, it, it kind of floats into the area of conspiracy because, you know, the folks on the other side, they know exactly what it does and how it affects affects our communities and our power uh, to vote, which they know is very powerful. Our vote has always been powerful, no matter how many measures they take to sort of kind of dismiss or diminish it. So, you know, this redistricting fight, I think, will, will continue and it'll probably get even hotter as we enter into a new uh, election season. Yeah, it's also going to be interesting to see whether or not the Republicans' defense in this case, whether or not that holds. They're saying, look, mm. we, re we redrew the maps, but we redrew them based upon partisanship, based upon 
on political affiliations in terms of party, not because of race. Uh, and so, and the other you know, side is calling BS though, because they're saying they're saying in South Carolina, right. in this particular district, mm -hmm. it just so happens, you know, that these folks happen to be Republican and happen to be mostly white. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, this is going to be an important case to watch because you better believe yeah. there are going to be copycat cases right. that emerge in uh, red states across the country. I agree. Federal prosecutors have requested the dismissal of corruption charges against former Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum. Gillum, the 2018 Democratic nominee for Florida governor, was acquitted of lying to the FBI but faced other unresolved counts, including conspiracy and wire fraud. Prosecutors allege that Gillum and his co-defendant misused campaign funds for personal purposes. The Justice Department filed a motion to dismiss the charges, and the judge's decision is pending. Gillum maintains his innocence, claiming the charges were politically motivated. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has signed a bill to defund diversity, equity, and inclusion programs at state universities. In a tweet, DeSantis stated that uh, he has no place, or DEI rather, has no place in public institutions and aims to impose orthodoxy on universities. Critics argue that this move uh, disregards the importance of teaching culturally relevant history and equal rights. The bill bans universities from participating in lessons that distort historical events or promote identity politics. It also prohibits teaching based on the theories of uh, systemic racism, sexism, oppression, or privilege. The decision has, of course, sparked both uh, support and backlash on social media. Wow, so interesting. He's talking about people distorting history and distorting uh, facts and things, and that appears to be what he is doing. Mm -hmm. uh, Governor DeSantis said, quotes, if you look at the way that this has actually been implemented across the country, DEI is better viewed as standing for discrimination, exclusion, and indoctrinization. I mean, I can't think of a more distorted view of diversity, equity, and inclusion than that. Um, and this is the deal. You know, Governor DeSantis is, is rumored uh, to be mulling over a bid for the White House. Mm -hmm. You know, whether he wins or not, if he wages a campaign for the White House, we can expect a whole lot of this. You know, this is a governor that is really proud of the fact that he has been leading these sort of culture war issues uh, in our country. And he's not trying to make, make, make America great again, as Trump is, has attempted to do in his own warped view. He's trying to make America Florida. That's what he's trying to do. Hmm. Listen, I, every time this comes up, and it's come up quite often because it's, just, it's such a hot button, you know, there's no way you can erase the history. We have established that our history is American history. Now, whether uh, dude and, and all his constituents want to understand that, believe it, fight against it, that's up to them. Politically, as a culture, yeah, we're going to have to continue to fight for our stories to be told. But, you know, in the spiritual realm, as we like to tap into as a culture, you know, I believe that the ancestors will, will raise up and, and help us fight uh, the good fight. There's no way you can just erase what has been done. You can go ahead and deny it and, and try to fix it and, and serve it a different way, but you can you can never erase uh, what has happened. And that is what keeps me, you know, motivated and encouraged even when they're able to seemingly make a little bit of progress with this movement.
Well, as my grandmother said, my grandmother <laughs> is now with the ancestors, and she said you got to pray with your hands That's right. and pray with your feet. That's and right. might I add, you got to get to that ballot box because, you That's know, can right. you imagine a world where uh, the three-fifths yeah. doctrine, the idea that we are, mm -hmm. as black people in this mm -hmm. country, three-fifths of a person? Yeah. Can you imagine that coming back? I certainly could imagine somebody like a Governor DeSantis flirting with something like that. That's what they're trying to work their like way that. back to, really. Just I, I, I agree with you on that. Well, in a South Florida jury has found McDonald's and a franchise holder at fault in a case where a hot chicken McNugget mm. from a Happy Meal caused second degree burns to a little girl's leg. The split decision holds the franchise holder liable for negligence while McDonald's USA is held liable for not providing safe handling instructions. Another jury will decide the compensation for the child and her mother. The case draws parallels to the famous hot coffee lawsuit of the 1990s. The family's lawyers argued the nugget's temperature exceeded 200 degrees, while the defense claimed it was below 160 degrees. The girl, who is autistic, did not testify. Wow, I, f I feel like that, that chicken nugget had to come right out of the right out of the the grease to do that much damage, and obviously it was it was too hot, and the, and the baby skin was burnt. And, and, and you brought up the '90s uh, hot coffee. Mm -hmm. That was a huge suit, and this is this is way before social media. We're talking maybe I remember it because we talked about it. I was a student at Michigan State. We talked about it in class. It might have been like '91, '92, right up in there. But it was a huge conversation without social media, and and she was the woman. She was. Elderly and she was receiving um, coffee from the drive-thru and it spilled in her lap. All kind of skin grafts and things she had mm -hmm. to have and she died maybe a, a 10 or so years later after that. They don't know if it had anything to do with what she went through, but she got like over $600,000. So that's why that case was so huge and it's a little reminiscent of mm -hmm. uh, this case here is a little reminiscent of that, but clearly uh, it was a huge case and uh, it's unfortunate for this uh, young baby, but it does bring back some memories. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now the folks over at McDonald's, uh, at least his franchise owner uh, was saying that you know they need the the McNugget mm -hmm. to be fried that hot yeah. in order to prevent any sort of salmonella mm -hmm. uh, type issues. But you know this is the first time I'm learning. You know a McNugget has to get to 160 degrees, 200 yeah. degrees. Mm -hmm. You know uh, in in order to be edible, uh, it it, it kind of makes you rethink uh, uh, the chicken nugget for a minute. Chicken nuggets I have enjoyed for many years. <laughs> so many people with a little have. hot mustard sauce. Mm -hmm. You know uh, give you what you. Need. And McDonald's coffee is infamous too. You yeah. know, a lot of people start their day with with a cup of McDonald's coffee. That's why that case was so huge. They're calling it like product liability. Mm -hmm. That's what she was able to sue on, and I think that has something to do with why they were able to win this case as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I hope that that mom and daughter um, are okay, are feeling better and yeah. feeling relieved mm -hmm. uh, and believed. All right, actor Jamie Foxx is recovering well after an undisclosed medical complication last month. TMZ reported that he is currently receiving treatment at a top rehabilitation center in Chicago. Foxx's daughters shared an update stating that he has been out of the hospital for weeks and even played pickleball recently. In other news, Foxx and his daughter will co-host a new game show called We Are Family, premiering in 2024. And I put an S on the daughters because there, there are two daughters. Yeah. I know we've been focusing on the older one, but uh, the older daughter and the younger daughter have been the ones being seen coming in and out of this facility in Chicago that uh, specializes in stroke aftercare. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and shout out to Corinne Fox uh, and her sister. Mm -hmm. I just think the way they have handled this, um, you know, they've handled this, you know, with 
great respect to Jamie to allow him to focus on his healing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think they've handled him with a great deal of dignity. Mm -hmm. um, we haven't seen any any photos leaked. We haven't seen that's any right. leaked video. Um, and, and, and that's hard to do. Um, also, while uh, acknowledging that they're probably a bit, um, uh, you know, out of sorts, Frazzled, you know, with the fact that, sure. that, that their father is not, mm -hmm. you know, 100% well. And mm -hmm. so uh, we're rooting for, for Jamie Foxx, as are so many other people from the Get Well Soon. Indeed. Well, up next, they're the first size inclusive brides made gown. Uh, this is the first line. Uh, and they're black owned. Yep, we're gonna introduce you to the couple who started Bridal Babes and their new success since appearing on Shark Tank. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. Well, former President Barack Obama recently held a gathering in Chicago to announce a new initiative of his My Brother's Keeper Alliance Foundation called MBK Model Communities. Yeah, the initiative will support black and Hispanic boys and young men who are most vulnerable for low academic achievement, unemployment, and incarceration. MBK Model Communities seeks to expand the implementation of evidence-based practices into communities of color across the nation. Obama said in 2014, in the wake of Trayvon Martin's death, I challenged every community in the country to implement strategies to help boys and young men of color. Well, today, I'm proud to see the incredible impact My Brother's Keeper Alliance communities are having. Yeah, I remember when he launched this, and it is so good to see that it is still up and running and really um, redirecting and enriching and enhancing the lives of our young uh, black men. As we know, uh, they are precious and their lives matter, and we need them. Yeah, and, and you know, shout out to you know, Dr. Adrian Wilson, who is the new executive director of My Brother's Keeper mm -hmm. Alliance. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they've been fo focused on communities across the nation, but Newark, New Jersey, Omaha, Nebraska, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Yonkers, um, you know, these seem to be the communities that they're really spotlighting and holding up. Um, and there are a lot of different indicators that they're looking at, mm -hmm. because if we're gonna show up for, you know, our boys and men of color, particularly our black men and boys, um, one of the things we need to be aware of um, is graduation rates. There's so much of about our future that's tied to graduating from high school, completing college or, or any sort of post high school training, and of course, keeping folks, folks safe from violent crime. And so that seems to be where they're focused. Um, and boy, do we need it. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. All right, we're going to move on here. An update to a story we told you about uh, some months ago. Uh, as criminal charges against uh, black Colorado ranchers uh, by the name of C.W. and his wife, Nicole, their last name is Mallory, uh, that included felony stalking, tampering with a utility meter, and petty theft were dismissed after months of disputes with a neighbor and local law enforcement. C.W. said that what began as online threats through Facebook escalated to violent crimes, including murdered animals and torn Black Lives Matter flags that left the Mallory's in fear of their safety as the sheriff's office ordered the removal of security cameras from the couple's property but allowed the neighbors to keep theirs. Now, all criminal charges have uh, been uh, dropped that came up against the two black ranchers. All of them have been uh, dismissed. That's good to hear. 
After an internal investigation, the IRS has found that black taxpayers are audited at higher rates than would be expected given their share of the U.S. population. The findings come after researchers earlier this year found that black Americans are up to five times, five times more likely to have their federal tax returns audited than taxpayers of other races. The tax agency's acknowledgement comes after lawmakers and policy experts called on the IRS to review its auditing processes following the findings about black taxpayers. An earlier analysis also found that low-income Americans are five times as likely to get audited than any other filer, primarily because of the earned income tax credit, a benefit aimed at low-wage workers that has a high rate of erroneous claims. Yeah, and, and we talked about this numerous of times here on Foxhole's Black Report. We even had a tax uh, expert in, and I remember him alluding to this fact that we get audited more, and he said it had a lot to do with preparation and just lack of knowledge as to how to administer uh, and really cover yourself in regards to what you owe or what you don't owe, what you can account for, what you can't account for. And so, uh, again, this this uh, report is really not surprising. Uh, I'm just hoping as soulmates we become a lot more vigilant. I know sometimes it's a, it's a cost uh, concern with getting your taxes prepared, but I know for sure that there are a lot of uh, services. I remember at a time when I was employed, I couldn't afford to go get my taxes done. I tapped into some some services that that I didn't have to pay for in order to uh, properly make sure that my taxes uh, were filed that particular year. And I just think you have to stay vigilant because based upon these results, they come after us more so than others. Yeah, and I think also, you know, another factor that kind of surprised me in this story mm -hmm. uh, was the role of artificial intelligence, AI. Um, and there are some folks at the IRS that are saying that the algorithm that's generated by AI technology, uh, that there may be some implicit bias built into that algorithm. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we talk so much about AI, there's so many unknowns about AI, there's a lot of fear and anxiety about uh, the use of of artificial intelligence technology because of this. Mm -hmm. You know, these technologies don't always recognize the disparities that they're creating or exacerbating. Um, and so it's good to see that the IRS is gonna be taking a little bit of that $80 million uh, or uh, $80 billion, I mm -hmm. think, that the, the, the federal government recently gave the IRS are going to be taking a little bit of that to study how they but can mitigate against is, the uh, implicit bias the in people, the system. The people who program the AI. Mm -hmm. That's that's what, I mean, before the AI becomes the AI, there's somebody there uh, programming it. And are they programming it, you know, under the under the need to, to make sure it, it kind of shorts us, so that's, that's, where, that's where I start with the AI. You say, is listen, it really implicit listen, bias? Listen, Or is it explicit bias? What is it? There is, uh, you figure that out, <laughs> there is an expert platform, it's called Just Answer. So they recently published a workplace survey that found blacks are more concerned about layoffs than white workers. 66% of black employees and 55% of Hispanic employees expressed uncertainty about their future compared to white employees, of whom only 30% have shown concern. The survey of over a thousand adults revealed that black employees were about twice as likely as their white counterparts to negotiate their payouts. It also revealed that black and Hispanic employees were more likely to pursue legal action 
if having experienced or witnessed something illegal at their workplace compared to white employees. And I think that was something like 58 percent of black employees, black and Hispanic employees who gonna run, tell it, mm-hmm. <laughs> versus, uh, you know, 30% of, of whites who are gonna kind of stay quiet and, and, and not uh, ruffle the waves, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I mean th- th- these are these are interesting findings, though not very surprising. Right, right. You know, um, you know, we're living in a time where these layoffs, you know, uh, keep coming, you know, in waves. I mean, I was, you know, we were just talking earlier about, you know, David's Bridal, you know, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, one of the mm-hmm. top, you know, uh, bridal uh, stores, you know, in the country nationwide, um, and they're laying off something like nine thousand employees, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, they only got ten thousand, right. right? You know, and so. So I think it's going to be important for folks to look at, you know, who is getting the brunt of it when it comes to these layoffs. We know that there's also the sort of war that's been declared on diversity, equity and inclusion. And so are we going to see those teams more quickly dismantled and laid off um, compared to other teams? And so we've got a lot to be on the lookout for. We do. Still ahead, could Jay-Z be looking to make another big-time business deal? Yeah, and it's a big one, too, if he can pull it off. When we return, we'll tell you why he famously said he's not a businessman. He's business. He's a businessman. Okay, you're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. Well, some potentially bad news for brides-to-be. Yeah, Davis Bridal is filing for bankruptcy protection for the second time in five years. Locations will likely be closing in the next few months in various states, and employees will be laid off. For now, stores remain open, and the company says they expect dress orders will arrive on time and bridal appointments will not be affected. I'd like to see that happen if they lay in all folks. All right, there's one bridal shop that's taking us all by storm. They're the first bridal fashion company for multicultural women and women with curves. Started by husband and wife duo Charles and Ashley Young. The company has already been flooded with uh, lots of love since appearing on this season of Shark Tank. And now the owners of Bridal Babes are here with us on Fox Black Report want to welcome you both to the show. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Ashley, let's start uh, with you. I was a recent broad. I wish I had known about you guys uh, uh, some some months ago. Uh, It was definitely a challenge to find the right fit on a good day. I'm a size eight, but I had to go all the way up to a size 14. We were tailoring the dress. They were cutting away all my money. I'm looking at it on the floor. Has that been part of the motivation of why you started Bridal Babe so they can fit us, you know? Exactly. Not just fit us, but also look like us, Mm. right? We have a particular style. We want curve hugging. We appreciate the curves, right? right. Curve hugging, we want to show it off and we want fashion forward designs. And that's really why we started Bridal Babes, really to break the mold in the bridal fashion industry. We were done with and flowy dresses. (laughs) Right. I love it. I love it. All right, Charles, Shark Tank, it is no joke. Tell us what it was like standing in front of all of the sharks and, you know, was was a moment where you were sweating? You know, how did you push through with all that confidence to get what you you wanted and and do what you wanted to accomplish? Well, I come from a sports background, played sports in college and all my life. So, Mm -hmm. 
didn't necessarily feel a lot of pressure. Okay. We so well, so really preparation was key. But I will say it was surreal actually being there because we've always watched the show. You know, we've always wanted to be entrepreneurs. And so this was our dream and we took a step up. So it was surreal to actually be on the Shark Tank set mm-hmm. and actually be there looking, you know, at the furniture and say, whoa, this place is not as big as we thought it was on TV. <laughs> right. It's never, it always looks different in person, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, probably not as as intimidating in person as on TV. And we we did see on the show that you guys ended up partnering with a black British fashion guru, uh, really celebrated uh, Emma Greed. Is that who you kind of like had in mind to partner with? And and how has being in business uh, with another sister, how has that worked in your favor? Yeah, well, I'll kick it off because I'm the real Shark Tank fan. I used to force Charles to sit on the couch with me. So we actually had um, two other sharks in mind that we were pitching. Lori and Kevin kind of are the bridal HSN folks. So we thought that those would be our key sharks. But we found out a week or two before the show that Emma Greed would be on. And we knew at that time, oh, this is perfect. It's just like meant to be, right? The size inclusivity, the diversity, the fashion, just there were so many things that aligned. And of course, working with her and she actually rolls her sleeves up and actually helps us map out so many different things from merchandising to strategy. It's just been wonderful. Wow. So she's the real deal. So it's not just on TV. This is this is real deal. Now that the cameras are off, you guys are rolling up the sleeves and making this thing happen. That's good. That is really good to know because she has conquered uh, Uh, you know, Britain, and now she is doing her thing here in the States. So what's the one mistake, uh, us ladies in particular, us ladies of color, what is the big mistake that we make uh, when we're looking for that that one dress? It is always that one dress that, that we're always looking for, huh? Yeah, well, since Charles manages operations and fulfillment, he can tell you about the main mistake, and it's sizing. Uh, Um, We actually have been working on a few proprietary tools to help with sizing, also updating our fabrications to have even more stretch. also offer virtual consultations where we can walk the ladies through exactly how to get the right size. Um, so sizing um, probably is the most difficult part of the process. It is 100% the most difficult part of the process. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I would I believe that because like I said, in real life, I'm about an eight on a good day. And if I had more give and more stretch, I would have definitely probably either would have been able to stay with the eight or maybe a 10, but having to go up to a 14, 16 and cut away so much of the dress was really heartbreaking. So with that in mind, how have you all really transformed, um, you know, bridal uh, babes in regards to, you know, making it, it, it a good fit for brides and bridesmaids, finding that one dress? This, this Your company has been transformative in that measure. Talk a little bit about some of the feedback that you're getting um, from bridal parties in regards to how you've been able to particularly service our, our culture. Yeah, I think the main thing is making sure we have that full size range available. Through 5XL or 2 through 24. We never want there to be a case where a bridesmaid feels like, oh, I have to lose weight in order to be in this bridal party because I can't fit the dress that the bride wants me to be in. So we have made sure with all of our manufacturing partners that they are on board with that vision, right, of being able to service all bridesmaids of all shades, shapes, and sizes. And so that is so important to us. And of course, we have the constant feedback loop through our social media. So mm-hmm. you can find us on 
Instagram, on TikTok, and the girls tell us what they want immediately. Like, you know <laughs> no, what? They do. <laughs> Where's the emerald green? Where's the sienna? We need the shades of melanin. You know, they love sienna. Oh my goodness. That is like the color for us. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. So talk uh, a little bit um, real quick about um, how you go about um, de designing the dresses, how you go about staying on trend. It's, it's wedding season as we speak. And uh, I know a lot of uh, the soulmates are looking maybe for a particular style that's that's on trend with what, what's going on in the runways and all the bridal books. How do you guys stay on top of the pulse, if you will? Sure. Um, so I have to say my secret sauce is actually Charles. We were talking about this earlier today. So um, I work with our production and design team to ideate and create the design. Um, we listen to our customers to determine which colorways we're going to do, like a hot pink or mm -hmm. emerald green sure we're breaking the molds but the last step is always Charles because he has the magic touch if he does not love the dress the girls are not going to love it either so uh, we know that you know we have to make sure that he definitely vets the style and because he's in the fulfillment center and constantly seeing like what's moving where are the quickest moving styles he almost has this analytical mind where he's like a computer and he knows okay that neckline is going to sell um, so do that one again or we need floor length we need midi so um, we definitely work hand in hand among the entire team. Come on, Charles. Come on, husband. We love it. <laughs> we absolutely love it. You mentioned earlier some social media handles. Please, uh, before we let you go today, uh, let us know how we can link up, get in touch with you, follow you, learn more about your story across social media, maybe a website. Yeah, so our website is www.bridalbabes.com. Um, we're also on social media, Instagram, at Bridal Babes, and TikTok, you know, the new place to be. We are there as well, at Bridal Babes. I am so excited for you all. Charles, you got anything to say before we go? Well, just thank you. I do want to give a shout out to uh, Hampton. That's my where I graduated from, for all my pirates <laughs> out there. So that's it. We love it. Uh, that's some of that HBCU shine. Thank you so much. Look, you all have been blessed and baptized as our new uh, official soulmates. We must have you back. Uh, we appreciate you. God bless your journey and what I'd like to call a ministry because you are saving lives for the black brides. Indeed. <laughs> Thanks so much Thank for your time today. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Yes, we certainly wish them the yeah. best. All right, coming up, the IRS is finally owning up to their practices. We knew it all along. We'll tell you what the department fessed up to regarding audits. You are watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Soulmates, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. An 18-year-old has confessed to the killing of beloved rapper Pop Smoke. That's right. Smoke was shot and killed at his residence in Hollywood Hills. This happened back in 2020. At the time of the shooting, the suspect was only 15 and admitted to the charges. This week, the suspect is expected to remain in juvenile until he turns 25. Pop Smoke was only 20 years old. This was a huge case. You know, there have been so many, there's a whole generation of rappers who've like come up via social media. So I wasn't really so familiar with Pop Smoke, but when I delve a little deeper, very popular, a legion of followers and a devastating loss for uh, hip hop. 
And the loss of multiple lives. It's not just the loss of Pop Smoke, but mm -hmm. the loss of his killer as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. these were two young guys, mm -hmm. right? The fact that, that this guy, you know, killed him at the age of 15 mm -hmm. and will be in juvie until he's 25, that's, that's just 10 years right there, right? You're not including, you know, whatever uh, additional years he might serve, you know, and, you know, this is just another example of, A, the epidemic of gun violence mm -hmm. in our country, um, and it's also the epidemic of violence just among our youth. I mean, these are, these are two lives, you know, that have been cut short in dramatically different ways. Uh, and it, this isn't just a one-off, uh, but, you know, this is a part of, of a trend that we need to stop. Mm -hmm. Well, fans are showing concern after Lizzo cancels a concert in Montreal due to flu-like symptoms. The singer tweeted about having a 102-degree fever and listing her symptoms, including sore throat, headache, and chills. Lizzo promises to honor fans tickets with a rescheduled show. Her next performance is set for tomorrow in Hartford, Connecticut, but it's unclear if she'll recover in time to perform. Ooh, well, taking a look at the B-roll, I love all of those outfits that we just took a look at. She says she's tested thus far uh, negative, negative for COVID-19. Uh, so her last performance was actually late April, April 26th, I do mm -hmm. believe. She was in um, Memphis, and then she went on down to Tennessee and, and really supported uh, all of the drag performers uh, with that performance right. down there. So it better not be, you know social media, Black Twitter, it better not be no C-O-inspiracy because that was the last performance um, she gave before she fell ill. But of course, we, we wish her the best. Yeah, I mean, what a great, great, great performer right. and activist. And so rest up, Lizzo, and get back on stage soon. That's right. All right, New York City now uh, was recently approved for a gaming license. And in an open letter, Jay-Z's entertainment company, Rock Nation, listed out the reasons why his group should have the winning hand in the bid. Now, the company says it's about supporting New York City workers and bringing in more tourists. Rock Nation is promising to commit $115 million for diverse theater programs that includes daycare for Broadway workers and their families. That could push go a on, long way. That push could go on, a long way. over. That could go a long way. You know, it look, day, daycare ain't cheap. It you is know, not. For, for, for friends of ours and family members that have to pay for daycare, I yeah. mean, that's more than a couple grand yeah. a month. And so, and so often, you know, uh, families have to make the decision, mm -hmm. you know, can they afford for one person to sort of stay home mm -hmm. until the kids are, you know, five years old yeah. and off to school? Um, and so, you know, that alone would be, you know, a big boon mm -hmm. to uh, Broadway folks in New York. But, you know, it'd also be a boon to the economy uh, in New York. There are some people mm -hmm. that say, it's great. It's great mm -hmm. that you're wanting to bring this to New York, mm -hmm. you know, but a big casino like that can make a big difference in other parts of the country, yeah. you know, that don't already have a lot going on. Yeah, and then and then one of our own, you know, culturally speaking, to be in there as, you know, an owner or someone who, you know, has some heavy weight uh, in, in the property and, the, and going forth with that particular project, it's a good look. I've been a nanny before. I, when one of my, they're grown now in their, in their 20, late 20s and 30s, but I took a summer off uh, to help my aunt and my uh -huh. uncle out because daycare, even back then, we're talking the 90s, where it was extremely expensive. Yeah. And that's probably why I don't have children today. <laughs> you got your fill? Whoa. Yeah, too.
Yeah, two of them. That was that was enough for me. That was it. Boy and a girl. It was two, two boys, boys, two boys, and one was just an absolute crybaby, and the other one just was like a renegade, just didn't care. It was a gangster baby. So I was like, I'm good on kids. Really, that really had a lot to do with it. I wanted to, you know, that, and then I wanted to be a preschool teacher. Mm mm. That was good. I was good. I was being honest. I was good. But that, you know, that is so much dedication and effort. I was a camp counselor for 18 four-year-olds. And every two weeks, the, the four-year-olds would switch. So I have a different set of 18-year-olds. Because I was preparing for like, hey, do I really? Mm-mm. I'm good. Well, we, well, well we're, 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 we're lucky that, that that didn't work out and that we I have swear, you right here but with us. Teachers, educators, administrators, all of those folks who deal with the, with the young people, oh, a chef's kiss. I couldn't do it. God bless him. God bless him. And, and bless uh, the live action Little Mermaid star, oh, Hallie yeah. Bailey, who is one of the most anticipated releases uh, this year. And now her doll is the most popular online. Yay. The official Hallie Bailey doll released on April 23rd. And uh, it's, it's had quite the wait list following uh, a whole bunch of pre-orders. This all comes after Hallie previewed the doll on her Instagram page back in March. The doll's most popular site right now, besides Disney, is Amazon. Mm, mm, take that, naysayers, because when they announced that this young lady was going to be the mermaid, there was a lot, there was a lot of folks upset about that thing, even after production, you know, was ongoing and it has concluded, and now you see the trailer, the hatred spewed over social media, Twitter in particular, over the hatred over the mermaid being black. How come a mermaid couldn't be black? And one Twitter, somebody on black Twitter answered, it was the ultimate answer, response clap back and it went viral. All the slaves that y'all threw over into the ocean and you thinking that <laughs> mermaid can't be black. I was like, argument over, argument over, oh leave it goodness. up to black Twitter to that's give a, it to that, you. That's a Twitter bike drop right Baby, there. was it not? Oh my goodness. But I'm so happy for her and yeah. it just shows that if you stay on that positive you know, path and you know, sometimes it's hard to disregard the comments because they're so mean and evil, but it sounds like she's got some solid family and her village is solid and she's just as pretty and beautiful and composed and and I'm hoping this movie does exceptionally well. And it's also another reminder that, you know, sometimes those voices on social media, those voices on Twitter mm -hmm. in particular, uh, don't represent the majority of folks. That's they right. represent the people that are being vocal about it on that platform at that time, mm -hmm. you know, but clearly a lot of people are voting with their feet and they're voting with their pocketbook and they're supporting Halle Bailey uh, in this, this film mm -hmm. and um, they're supporting all the merchandise That's that, right. that, that is uh, a result of this the film. Waiting list. Good for her. That's amazing. We love to see it. All right. So um, shifting gears here, having the hiccups for even a minute is a bit of annoying. Now imagine having them nonstop for a full year. That's what legendary athlete Bo Jackson has dealt with since last July. The football and baseball star talked about this on an Alabama radio show saying it's the reason why he missed a statue dedication uh, last month. Jackson says he's tried all the tricks like being scared, hanging upside down, drinking water, but nothing has worked. He will now undergo a procedure that he hopes will cure him 
of chronic hiccups. And you know, it's the it's the saying because as you know, being a vocalist, you study this stuff. It's the, it's a it's like a spasm of the diaphragm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there could be like a, a serious issue if his diaphragm is continuing to spasm. And it's the same kind of feeling that or, or mechanism that your body uses to you know bring things up, if you will, mm-hmm. regurgitate. Um, and so, I'm hoping he can get a cure. So, could you imagine how annoying that would be? I mean, yeah. I mean, how do you go about doing living your everyday life? You know, if you are nonstop hiccuping, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, think about like when you're in the shower and, you know, you know, when you're just doing life's yeah. things, right? And so with him being a star athlete, again, like he his his presence is probably requested quite often and he mentioned how he had to miss out on some kind of dedication. So I'm sure it's been a, a pain for him and for so, a year. But certainly he wow. can't be the first person to ever have have this happen. I mean, I'm sure it's rare, mm-hmm. you know, but um, I really want wonder what uh, what's behind that. Yeah. Well, hopefully these doctors will help him out and he'll get back to his old fabulous Bo Jackson self. Yeah. He's an incredible athlete. And some of those Ooh. remedies that he Something mentioned, else. some of those remedies like hanging upside down. That's and old folklore. Drinking water. I right. heard the drinking water, but the being scared and hanging upside down. The being scared, I never heard about that. Hold your breath, though. Have you heard about holding I've your breath? I've heard holding your breath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it didn't work for Bo. Does anything like that work for you when you have the hiccups? No. You just have to wait him out, usually. At least I do. Well, he would wait nearly a year. <laughs> That's the problem. Call the Guinness Book. Because <laughs> there's got to be some kind of record. Yeah, man. Up next, our absolute favorite segment of the show, Black Excellence. We love bringing it to you. Yes, we do. We'll introduce you to someone who's not allowing her disability to determine her destiny. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. An 11-year-old kid from Chicago has created a hoodie for anyone dealing with autism or sensory processing disorder. Some people find it calming to carry fidgets or rub certain textures when they're in over stimulating situations. Malachi's hoodie features patches that you can actually touch and a rope in pockets so you can self-soothe discreetly. That's right. The fifth grader says the goal behind the clothing line is to help kids feel comfortable and confident in any environment. Of our sensory adaptations are, as you can see, the fleece lining inside of our hoodies. The str- we have strings inside of our hoodies that you could play with. It's all in the design. At 11 years old, Malachi Rucker has a trademark for his brand and a patent that's in the works for his hoodie. It all started when he was three years old and diagnosed with autism. Well, a lot of kids bullied me because I had to go to special classes or do certain things. Bullied also because certain environments trigger an emotional response for the middle schooler and fabrics and textures can make it worse. Fast forward to a year ago, and that's when the fifth grader had the genius idea to help stop other kids from being bullied, creating Divergent Clothing Company. I started this business because of people who are neurodivergent, hence the name. And people who are neurodivergent have autism, dyslexia, ADHD, which means they just have sensory disorders. On his website, DivergentClothingCo.com, you can customize the $85 hoodie for sensory needs. It allows anyone with a sensory processing disorder to discreetly self-soothe. Well, some kids 
they feel that they don't feel comfortable even with things like my magnetic rings. They just don't feel comfortable at all. They don't want anyone to know. So my hoodies kind of help them. Rucker is celebrating his uniqueness and wants you to celebrate yours too. He also has shirts that have positive affirmations. Genius jeans, it's what it sounds like that even though you're different, you are brilliant, you're genius, you are amazing just the way you are. Daniel Knox, Fox News. Genius jeans. What a great story. I love that. What a great story. I mean, look at how far we've come. I mean, I remember when, you know, uh, years ago, I have a cousin who's autistic, Einstein, and I remember, you know, the stigma that existed way back when. I love, wait, I love the name. Yes. His we, name is we, Einstein. We have, we have incredible names in my family. Uh, <laughs> yes. well, obviously, yes. me quarter line. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. But I mean, I remember, you know, years ago when he was diagnosed as having autism and being on uh, the spectrum, and a lot of people just didn't know a lot about it, yes. right? And so now today, we know so much more about it, about mm -hmm. the sensory overload that can happen sometime and what just a really cool neat idea yeah. to, to you know show up for the folks that are on the spectrum and also create some pretty stylish hoodies and so I'm looking forward to going back upstairs to the office uh -huh. and putting in my order what was it for, called? Di for the hoodie it's called divergent clothing company divergent clothing company and, and my takeaway is that it's just that to your point it is a spectrum and you know people fall on all you know parts of that spectrum and so we can't be so quick or shouldn't at all stigmatize what autism, uh, what you think it looks like or what it's supposed to look like or what you've been told it looks like uh, because this young man is absolutely uh, brilliant and to think you know, through uh, any challenges he may have to not only soothe himself but others, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and, and look at what young black boys are doing in Chicago. We mm -hmm. talk about some of the violence that's taking mm -hmm. place in Chicago all the time. I want people to bring that same energy to the story of this, and support this, this, this young, young man, man that's, right. that's doing incredible work. And so we should all go to Divergent Clothing Company and support him uh, because he is doing work to uplift here, here. our community. All right. Speaking of uplifting the community, Gertrude Ofowiwa Fefome of Ghana is the You're new chair to know that. of the uh, United <laughs> Nations Committee on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, the first African woman in that post. Wow. CRPD is a group that protects and advocates for the rights of people with disabilities. Uh, FIFO Ami has spent her career serving this community by helping get more women elected to the committee. Alongside her work for the UN, her main role is Global Advocacy Manager at Sight Savers. It's an international organization that strives to promote the rights of those with disabilities. Fifoami also serves as the Africa president of the International Council of People with Visual Imp Impairment and has been involved with the World Blind Union. She has been fighting for yeah. folks with disabilities for a very long time, mm -hmm. and it's good to see the United Nations uh, supporting her leadership. Yeah. The first African woman in this role. Mm -hmm. And she, she wasn't. And from Ghana, nonetheless. Nonetheless, and she wasn't born blind. She, she, she eventually lost her sight. So that's a, a, another component of her, of her fight and her advocacy is that, you know, you have some who 
you know are born blind and then you some who who lose their sight and and those are different needs as well and so uh, she's uh, very well respected and has moved around those circles and congratulations to her I mean you know it, it, it it's hard work it's mm -hmm. hard work to do for anybody let alone somebody you know who is also living with a disability and yeah. so uh, we love to see it we love to see we love our we love our black excellence and, and before the show we were talking a little bit upstairs about what's trending on social media <laughs> so we got into it we want to share a little bit before we get out of here you talk a little bit yeah, about so, it so Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union you know are all over social media right now yeah. because Gabrielle Union did an interview saying that they split their bills 50 50 and, dun, 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 and, and dun, the internet went off and said nice. wait a minute you know <laughs> Dwayne Wade makes six times Yee. as much as Gabrielle Union what's this 50 50 thing and, and and I said I'm not surprised because Gabrielle Union really is sort of you know a modern woman a contemporary yeah. woman okay you know who you know it's not about so am know, I you know <laughs> Dwayne Wade taking care of but her but guess what but then taking care of each other <laughs> okay I'm a modern and that's, woman and that's what works for them uh, uh, well exactly but you know how we do on social media we get into all kind of conversations I mostly take care of the petty bills that would be like the the uh, utilities and things like that but the major 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 ticket 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 prices there the husband and he does you know and he says you want me to take care of that and I go no nah, because I feel like I need to contribute but let let him you know let him have it I'd be at home eating bonbons on the couch every day like a madam I mean I, I think maybe for for gay couples you know maybe you know, it's sort of more 50-50. But y'all be more rich, though. If I could just speak, what do you mean okay, more, if I could throw it back, because rich? a lot of times men make more. Than, so when you have two men together, y'all, you know, your your income is off the rails. But that isn't always the case. That, that, that isn't always the case, and I think um, sometimes we're gonna get back to this. We are, because I gotta I'm tell not, the folks. I'm not through with you. I know you're not. That's why we got into it upstairs. We had to talk about it for the full rundown on the day stories and more. You can access Fox Souls video on demand on any of our partners. You can even access past shows and other Black Center content. Don't forget to download the Foxhole app. It's free. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm the Cordelai Corte. Until next time, stay Half. lifted. Split it 50-50. Have a D. <laughs> Have a D. <laughs>